Hello and welcome to Dive Collective's podcast, where we highlight the gifts and talents of our community of believers. Here at Dive Collective, we believe that to fully live, we need to be using and sharing our God-given gifts and talents with the world. We will always be encouraging our members within the collective to be living fully alive in this way. So here, in this space, we celebrate God by sharing the stories of those who are living out their callings and experiencing Him in both the mundane and the miraculous. Come and see. Hey, welcome, Sally. Sally Grooms is on with us today. She's going to share her story about how God met her and intervened in the midst of academia. I cannot wait to hear this story. I think it's going to be really applicable. And I'll be able to relate to it, I think, in ways too. So, Yes. I was always a very competent, great student. That was my comfort zone books. Um, That was my happy place. I always succeeded. Like I would set goals for myself and I would match them. And that was where I felt comfortable. Yeah. And so went through college. I was like, literature is my comfort. I love it. So I had a professor that was like, go get your PhD. It will be wonderful. So I went, did a master's is the next step. And I got Dean Scholar for that. So they paid me to go to get my master's and then applied to PhD programs, got into two different programs. No obstacles, no obstacles, you know, just mm-hmm. got into this PhD program, got the presidential fellowship, which they paid for my school, paid me to go there. Was this Lehigh? This was Lehigh. So I went to Villanova for my master's and then Chase was in med school at the same time. So Lehigh is where my brother and my um, husband went. Yes. So, and it was beautiful. It was like collegiate. The library was medieval and wonderful. It's so beautiful. Yeah. So, and I love, I was a 19th centuryist. I love 19th century literature. Scholar I was working with was exactly where I belong. And I got there and I was in the darkest place imaginable. It was absolute. I I would drive because we lived in Lansdale because Chase was in downtown Philadelphia at Mm -hmm. Temple. So Lansdale was right in the middle. So I would drive an hour and he would take the train an hour. So, and every, I would go to campus three days a week. So that's my classes were stacked that way. And it was on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. I remember my head being like, I could drive off the road and the pressure would be gone. Oh my mm. gosh. And that just seemed like, that's an intru- that, that like a pretty <laughs> decent option. Like, yeah. And in my rational head, decent like, because I would go to class, I was in postmodern literature. Okay, so it didn't just like... Tur- I mean, you didn't just wake up one day and were like, no. ready to throw yourself off a bridge. I mean, I'm, you're going to yes, have to yes, like, give me yes, some that's true. Yes, no. How was, did you get to this point? So I, was, I think I was in postmodern literature, which I'm sure did not help. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Because it's, I mean, it's godless and it's reveling in the God is dead. God yes. is dead is just the baseline. Yes. And, are just, and then I was in um, 19, or I was in 20th century modernism. So yet again, God just Give us died. some examples, some of these, te- some of these texts. So this with- is 
this is Kafka, this is Nietzsche, yes. this is, and then the British modernists, which is... We never great. got to Kafka in our reading club, by the way. We didn't, we didn't get there. We didn't get there. there. No, so we'll pick I'm that back up in a little we'll get, bit when you we'll leave there. book club. Okay. Yes. yes. And this is, um, and then also feminist theory, which was, which I always consider myself in a way like a feminist, but it was this strident anti-men, anti-men, anti-mother, achieve, achieve, achieve Oy. without stopping. And so your professors and are probably all loving all, that? Yes. Okay. Yes. And I was picked because I was this bizarre person that had read the Bible. <laughs> and like... <laughs> knew the bible you were picked <laughs> that was my lens because they were like you are have this scholarship you have this bizarre knowledge of this book that no one reads <laughs> and no one so, reads and no one has ever oh my word so that's why they offered you that presidential fellow yeah, you're saying because that's why they and because all the 19th century texts the bible they learned how to read from the bible pilgrim's progress i grew up as a child reading that and that was such a canonical text for all the 19th centuryists and so the fact that I was steeped in that canon. Basically, I grew up, you know, with the same books. Yes. Guy was this weird, bizarre creature who was married at the age of 22. Mm -hmm. Highly even, intellectual. Even though I did, I was not sheltered. I went to a public college, so I didn't feel like I was such a weird, niche person. Right. But I get into this environment and it... How did you fall in love with literature? At what point between first grade and 12th did you decide... This is something that I love. Always. I think my mom being in and out of the hospital and I think the chaos of that home environment, different caregivers, I found books to be this magical, perfect space. I loved Anna Green Gable. I read everything by Ellen Montgomery. I felt like I would find an author and read it all. And then also with middle school friendships with girls were so fraught that I was like, oh, these characters are just so perfect and they find these <laughs> perfect friends and the you know it just felt so it was like a therapy or an escape it was such a therapy and an escape mm. predictability and i like 19th century yeah. comic closure there's always a wedding there's always a nice box so. oh that's such an interest okay that's a great framework for entering yes. into this whole story yeah. yeah and then i went to college and then um my two of the british and american 19th centuries were like oh my gosh you know the bible you in your papers you're able to bring a scope that so rarely is available now and so they pushed and I was like oh cool okay <laughs> okay so that actually leads me to another specific question mm -hmm. if you grew up learning the bible obviously that was handed down to you from your parents at what point right. did I mean I know your faith now it's like a depth it's just you just have the most incredibly deep gracious I love your faith was there a moment from you where it changed from being your parents' faith to your faith? Do you know what I mean? Could you pinpoint that? I think in college, absolutely, okay. because my all my whole family went to very conservative Christian colleges where boys weren't allowed on the floor, chapel was right. mandatory. Grove like, City, one of those by any chance? That was that that was a liberal college in my we went to Asbury University where floors were locked down. I think girls started to be able to wear pants in 2004. Sweet. Okay. Fairly. I think I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but me going to this school. Okay. 
me going to this public college, I got so many Bibles sent to me my freshman year because my whole extended family was like, Sally is going to be in crisis. Yeah. No, my beliefs are personal. I don't want to have premarital sex. I don't want, this is my choice. Right. I don't need the outside structures. I actually want to integrate my faith. And and of course, did I kiss too many boys? Yes, I did. (laughs) But... (laughs) But it was great for me because I was perfect little Sally, kissed probably too many boys freshman year and was like, oh, that's not really good. <laughs> so, but it was, but found a good Bible study, started leading Bibles, just yes. made it my own. Yes. So. Okay. So college is when it became your own. Yes. Is that where you meet, met Chase? Met Chase freshman year. We started dating sophomore year and then we got married right after we graduated. He was at William and Mary? Yes, we were both at William and Mary. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yep. I didn't even know William and Mary was a public school. I thought it was practically. Um, it's as old as Harvard. And it, or, you know, it's. It, yeah, it's it, Ivy League. It's, it's basically yeah. an Ivy League school. Yeah. yeah. So you're in Virginia. You guys met in college. Yes. And college was a great experience yeah, for you. College was a great experience. I'm very happy. But, but it was interesting because I'd always wanted to be a teacher or something of that. And I loved learning. I loved kids. But a professor was like, you'd be great at this. And then I was like, okay, I'd be great at it. It's not, but it wasn't like, oh, let me reflect. And is this really my calling? I thought about being a principal and my parents said, no, don't go for that. Shoot higher, shoot higher, go tenure, go terminal degree. And I was like, oh, well, okay. They want me to do this. So it was kind of. That's really how it goes. When you go from elementary to middle to high school, to college, to grad school, like that really very much is this path that's been laid out for you. And you don't really stop to question it. Right. And I was, I was always the kid that was like, okay, if someone thought that was my, the path I should go. Okay. I'll, I'll go for that. Right. So my master's at Villanova was a great experience. Some things were hard. It was definitely at a higher caliber, mm-hmm. but still was okay. Yeah, I like this. I like this is enjoyable. It wasn't until the doctoral degree where all of the professors are kind of venturing you in that this is what academia is like. Mm. And I had three of my closest professors were mothers mm. that could never actually be there for their children because they had to teach class, then they had to work on their publishing papers, then they had to jump through all of these hoops. And then at the hour and a half between eight and nine 30, they would go home and put their kids to bed. And I was like, this is awful. And then also the fact that I knew the Bible, the Bible was this text. Mm -hmm. It wasn't personal. It was this lens that, oh, how interesting that you know this text so separated from no 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 like I was like no no it's not just a text it's not it's my worldview right right but that was so like well of course it's not your worldview of (laughs) course we know these aren't actual beliefs these are just it's a framework it's a framework and so that felt so dark to me yeah and then knowing that Chase was a doctor that especially now we're 10 years out looking back, I can see that I knew he actually had a call to medicine, that this was something that was in his heart. And I think I knew that because I was like, this isn't my call. 
Right. You could see the difference between him pursuing his calling versus what you were doing. Yes. He's always been like, one of us will stay home with the kids. If it's you, that's great. If it's me, that's great. And I was like, no, but this, you need to be at the hospital. That. But you didn't know that then at the time. I didn't know that then, but I just knew, but I knew that this was not my, or I, I could feel that it wasn't my call, but I was so mad because that was my 10 year plan. And why wasn't God honoring my 10 year plan? (laughs) And also, and I was failing. Why was God letting me fail? And I was like, why can't I just rise to this occasion? And why am I, how is quitting part of your plan, God? How is... Did you find that you were having to to defend your faith a lot? Or was it more just... Kind of both and. Because the problem is... (laughs) I am too radical to fit within the framework of, especially like the Christian colleges that I grew up with. So I was like, I won't fit in that. I'm, they're not going to pick me to teach at Asbury College. I also don't fit teaching at Duke University. Where would I fit on the tenure track anywhere? Yes. And then also having seen the hoops that you jump through for tenure track, is that even, is that even something I want to do and where God wants me? So you're in your doctoral program about to drive off a bridge. Yes. Yes. On a daily basis. And Chase, he's doing his psychiatry resident part of his. And he's like, I've seen you stressed out. I've seen you from the time we were 19. This is something we need to pay attention to. And you're not a dramatic person. This is different. What is going on? But I felt so disappointed that God wasn't pulling me through in the way I wanted him to. Because I thought he was supposed to just make me strong enough to to do this Mm. so that I was supposed I was supposed to be the Daniel that could be the light in this dark world gotcha and I never saw that that's such a common that I wanted to step up there and it never occurred to me that I've been doing Beth Moore's study of Daniel And she talks about Daniel 6, where they're trying to set him up for failure, and he's without corruption. Yes. And then they say that they could not find any corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. He was able to do his job. He was able to do everything required of the job. Yes. And resist corruption. And that's what I realized with what he made me, with what he poured into me, and I am his worthy child. I cannot do the job. This, this job that wasn't my true desire of my heart, but was the thing that I put up on the poster board. And it wasn't me failing. It was just God being like, no, that's not, that's not my will for you. Yeah. And the fact Because that, what happens next, I mean, you get a degree, a doctorate, and then you're automatically, you're yes. just going to stay on that hamster wheel. Exactly. Doing the things that you all, yes. that you dreamed of achieving, even if it yes. wasn't. Yes. And that the fact that someone else might be perfectly able to, but Sally Ann Grooms doesn't have the, doesn't have the makeup to do that. And that's fine. And that's worthy. And that's, but I felt so lost by the fact that, okay, God bless this. I need you to bless this will for my life. Yeah. So Because to not do it doesn't mean I'm being obedient. It means I've failed. And it well meant I wasn't perfect. 
Right. Because I liked the god of binaries. I liked mm-hmm. that I was the 19th centuryist. I liked the comic closure. I liked the black and white. Mm-hmm. And it was then where I was like, no, God lives in the liminal. He lives in the gray. I need, at that point in time, I needed that to be revealed to me because he's the God that eats with tax collectors and loves the prostitute. Yeah. And my life is not going to be in the black and white. Sometimes it's going to be in that uncomfortable gray. A lot of the time. A lot of, <laughs> and it's literally been 10 years of still, I felt like I quit. It was always, I quit. I failed my PhD. That's always been the language. Mm. And then all of a sudden it was like, no, God spared me mm. from, right. from forcing, this is your will for me. This is your will for me. And it's like, no, it wasn't. When I'm listening to you tell the story, because it sounds like it was a, a dream that was almost placed on you, like it wasn't necessarily yours. And so was the failure, was it more internal and personal or were you, did you feel like you were failing everyone else? that had like paved the way for you and put the money in. Absolutely. I think it was this blend of both because I felt like there were so many things that I could do that that seemed like a perfectly adequate one. And then Mm -hmm. everyone's expectations on top. And I'm such a people pleaser that Mm -hmm. that is as well. I felt like I was letting down my parents. I felt like I was letting down my professors. I felt like I was letting down the universities. I, I mean, just, yeah, the every absolutely. But then, mm-hmm. and and I had not at all made peace with the fact that that uh, I cannot chase pleasing people, and I also wanted to be perfect and having humanity and just being comfortable with not succeeding at every point mm-hmm. was not a comfortable place. So. Mm-hmm. I think about that. I know that this isn't the same for you because you went to all of your schools with scholarships and stuff. But for me, I know that I went to grad school and took out loans and I had all of this debt accrued by the time I came out of graduate school. And then I got pregnant within a year, well, within a couple years of graduating, but I had also moved because Jeff was military. So it was like really nearly impossible to get a license with all of the different places I had lived and, and then I had a baby and then I was like, but I want to raise a kid. And so then I have all these questions about like, I mean, I took out all that debt and I have this master's degree that now I look back and think that I have no intention of going back into marriage and family therapy. To some degree, our culture really puts our people Mm -hmm. on those, on that wheel. And then just the expectation is that they're going to be some white collar worker doing this thing that we've, we've for on this road that we've paid for them. And I hate to say it, but I, especially I think about my girls, will I raise my girls differently? Because it's important for them to have a degree or for them to have some, an ability to sustain themselves so that they don't have to get married. If that's not their choice, they don't have to have kids. If that's not what they desire, they might not even be able to have kids who knows, but it's, but to have the option without the shackles of that. Yeah. Yeah. Without feeling like I've already, I've already gotten this far. That's kind of like, that's the emotion that I feel like when I hear you talking about being in that doctorate degree and being so far into it and to not complete it, that's the same feeling that I have about not having my license in counseling. It's like, I got all that way and then I didn't even get my license and I didn't use it because now I'm home with my kids, which I wouldn't trade for the world. Right. But at the same time, it's, is it worth $50,000 of debt, you know, right. and for kids now, $300,000 yes. worth of debt. Like yes. 
I hear you saying that, but it's like, man, I think that there's a lot more people who are on the hamster wheel doing what they've been set up to do yeah. because that's the choice that they have now, or they don't even consider that there's another choice or that perhaps God didn't desire to call them to whatever he called them to do until they're already that far in. You know what I mean? It just that year that I was in my PhD program, one of the doctoral students got pregnant mm-hmm. and it was like, oh, that's such a weird choice. The way that people, <laughs> they were like, that's interesting. Why, why would you do that? And I realized in this environment, because I had always wanted to stay home with my kids, at least until they got to school, school you know, right? yeah. and it was, oh, no, 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 you're too smart to want to just be a mother and a wife. And it was this, that was the true desire of my heart. Whereas society was mapping achieve, achieve, Mm -hmm. achieve. Whereas I think some people legitimately, they are their best mother when they are, they want to work, they want Mm -hmm. to, but I am the type of person that I covet the little moments. I covet the first foods you I do? Cut, like I I, yes. I want you are do. that mom I'm that person whereas I because yeah. I hate the prescriptive this is the correct mothering this is the correct desire because there is no correct desire right that's so frustrating to me it's such a personal choice mm-hmm. but for me it was mapped on in this feminist way of oh no no don't just be a mother don't and a wife be a mother. Mm-hmm. right and it felt it was so such a value judgment. Mm-hmm. Whereas for some people, they don't have to have kids. They don't have to get married. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a wife and mother. That, and then also they were like, "Oh, you can't stop this. You can't get you can't get your PhD. Then go off the grid for five years. That will ruin." Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I just was like, "Okay." Or this is social constructs. This is the world. This is the fallen world. And right. why am I letting them dictate? Yeah. And it's crushing my soul. And I'm living by the world and wanting to meet their standards where God's saying, don't do this. Why are mm-hmm. you doing this? But it's not going to feel good and it's not going to look pretty. When you did make the decision to be done, what what did that look like? And exactly like you said, 10 years later, like it's right. taken you 10 years to finally Literally. get to a point where you can recognize that God was... That was God. Yeah. yeah. So when you did make the decision to quit or to be, yeah, to be done, was it a weight off or did it add a different kind of weight? I knew from the jump it was the correct decision. So I knew that God was in it, but I still felt angry at God. Mm. I didn't, I still felt like it wasn't, it wasn't a healed up place. It was a very raw place. I felt like Jonah being like, I don't want to go to Nineveh, God. Like, yes, I can see that that's your will for me, but no. Because mm-hmm. I was like, no, I don't want to fail at this. I don't want to, you know, I don't. But I did it. I sent all the emails, did all the. Oh, but I need the days before. Like, I need the conversations that you had with Chase or like. Oh, there were so, so many. I'm thinking from both sides too. Like when you're talking about thinking about quitting, up until that point, you knew that you weren't going to be able to do what you wanted to do, like to be a wife and mother and still pursue your PhD. When you decide to end it, then it's like the other side pulling at you. You're making that choice to, to do what you know in your heart you really want to do, be a wife and mother. And yet then it's the academic side pulling at you. Do you see what I'm saying? Like you're getting yes. pulled from both yes. sides. Yes. yes. 
so we had had a lot of conversations and I ended up, cause I was talking to my internist after I basically had suicidal ideation and she was like, we're going to put you on an antidepressant. That one did nothing. They put me on another antidepressant and Chase was sat me down, I think two months into this and was like, you are on two antidepressants just to live your life. Something is wrong with the life that you are charting. Mm -hmm. And he was like, and you keep saying, I'm unhappy. I'm unhappy. I'm unhappy. (laughs) (laughs) I think we need to listen to that. So, and he knew me and he knew how to say it in a very loving, but yet we need to protect yourself from yourself. Yeah. During the summers, I would nanny. I talked to all my professors and I was like, I just need a sabbatical. Let's frame it as a sabbatical and reassess. However, I knew that that I never actually considered going back. I knew that mm-hmm. that was going to be the way I just bridged over. Into, Interesting. I think I knew that they wouldn't understand. And so I needed to let them down gently. I was like, <laughs> no, none, I'm going to be speaking Latin to them in by saying, this isn't what I want. This. Yeah. Because Chase and I, from the onset of our relationship, our goal was a small but valuable life. Wow. Saying, like That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was like, this isn't allowing that. This is precluding that. And so that helped to reorient and it was brutally hard, but I, it was so sweet because two weeks after I sent the emails, I got contacted by a mother who was 50 years old and she had a surrogate that was having her two twins that she and her husband had just turned 50. This was their last ditch efforts and they had two twins and they had no idea what they were doing. And they were like, can you come on? And from the time they were two weeks to the time I they were two years old, I was their part-time nanny. It was magical. And I was like, kids, <laughs> I felt like they were my babies. You and are such a, yeah. And we hadn't had mm-hmm. kids yet, but I knew that that was something in me. And it was like God saying, these aren't even your babies. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. love every second of it. Yes. And then I also taught at an online university, did their English lit and their writing center. And so I was able to use. Did you like it? I hated it, but at least (laughs) I felt like I was. Using your degree. Using it. Because I needed that, even though that's so stupid. Yeah. No, it's it's totally not stupid. But I needed that check mark of like, I am using my (laughs) Mm -hmm. skills and not until I had Charlie that I was okay, that's a ridiculous thing to be like, I need this because it makes me feel like I'm using my degree. And Chase, that's not... And it was perfect for that time of life where Chase is working crazy hours. I was But what you're crazy. saying right now, what I'm saying is like, when you're it's saying super... it like that, that it's ridiculous, like yeah. every other woman who has a degree yeah. and is home with kids knows exactly what mm-hmm. you're saying. Right. That feel, that I feeling still, of, yeah. yeah, yep. But yeah. Isn't I don't it, think I've the, ever used my degree and right. I still think that. <laughs> But yet, is that a God value judgment or right. is that this awful society oh, right. feminist? Yeah. Yes. Is, that's the caustic feminism. Absolutely. Like, what's your monetary value? You right. Know, that's what what when I say I've never said. used my degree, I've right. never used my degree to earn money. Yeah. That's what I mean right. when I say it. Like, I've yeah. never used it for a right. job or a career. Yeah. And yet, there are so few things that I feel like confident God isn't going to ask. 
but I am confident whenever we go up to glory, he's not going to be like, and what was your dollar amount? And how did you get <laughs> that degree? But yet that is something right. that I feel like haunts. Yeah, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. So I feel like when I read your message, you said something about doing the Daniel study that helped you break free. What happened? Just this awareness that the world is a Babylon. So many different parts are Babylon. Yes. And just as I don't think going to strip bars are a good decision. There are certain places that you should you shouldn't surround Pretty yourself black and white. with. Yeah. Maybe some people can, but I'm confident that that's not the correct place for me to be a light for Christ. <laughs> and I can conceptualize yes. that, but I never conceptualized this PhD. Yeah. I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. It was not the space. I would have to be negligent, which God doesn't want you to be negligent in your career he, or, you know, with what you do. Mm. He wants you to be a tent maker, but it should be making the correct tents. And I couldn't be a light in this particular arena, but that doesn't mean. I'm not going to be perfectly wonderful in a different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that there aren't some people who aren't called to be like exactly. that. Yeah. Exactly. And that aren't absolutely born, bred, and meant to be a light in that area. Yes. It's so, mm-hmm. it's exactly right. It's just, just as you said, we try to make God a black and white God. And we often see those things like, no, I should be able no, I'm called to go to be with the people in the bars. Like that's what God wants right. us to go be in the yeah. world. And so- right. Maybe that's the case for some people, but that is not the case for everybody. And not only that, but not everybody is actually called to the world. There are some people who are called to the church. Exactly. Always. It's not black and white. You can't say that this is the way that it is for me. So this is the way that it is for everybody. Exactly. Not how it works. But also it does not mean that I failed, but I did need to die to that perfectionism. I did Mm -hmm. need to die to that. God meet me in the hoops I'm setting for you. And God was like, I'm not playing by your rule, even though I know you want to put me in this box. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to yeah. show up for you in this, this nice tidy box. Well, I guess that leads to another question. Did you feel, even though it wasn't until now and it's 10 years later before you're like, Oh, I get it. Yes. Did you feel relief afterwards? Was there oh, a point where like, did, did God come near? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think growing up with a chronically ill mother from the time I can literally have a memory, she was ill. Mm -hmm. I knew to wait for God. Mm -hmm. I knew that it wasn't that even though I didn't understand it, it didn't mean he wasn't there. I might need you to flesh that out for me a bit more. Like, I mean, I, I get it big conceptually, but I think I want you to like, Yes. One of the things that I really enjoy people sharing is the ways that he, God takes the parts of us that look like that eventually he prunes off of us, but he used those things. Like he created you. I don't know, codependent or approval. Just perfectionist. Perfect. Perfectionist. People pleasing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That people pleasing nature as an example, but you probably have a better, another example, but I'm thinking about like you're saying that growing up with a chronically ill mother, I'm sure as many, as much as that also probably contributed to making you a people pleasing perfectionist type person, like you're saying it also taught you important things. Absolutely. Is that, is that what I'm? Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. and just because I did not, God did not heal my mom, but that wasn't the expectation. For you ever? That, for I me mean, ever. 
because so he was never a god of rabbit's foot. God provided comfort in the illness. Mm. God provided enough. He provided manna for one day. And your teacher and and your parents taught you that. Yes. And then the manna rotted. We don't have enough for tomorrow, Mm -hmm. but we have it for today. Mm -hmm. There was never a crisis of faith in this. There was never a, oh, God is dead. My faith didn't show up. It was... It was, I don't see you. I recognize I'm not seeing this clearly, but you are there. And I'm sad. I'm disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) But you still have your faith. Like, if you can hate God, he's still there. You're not questioning your faith. Yeah. So just like you can hate your mom when you're 13. Just by directing it at him. Just Mm. by, because he's there. He's there Mm -hmm. to hold the hate. You can't hate something that you don't think doesn't exist. Right. That's not there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I didn't even hate him. I was just so disappointed, you know, but, but it was never a rabbit's foot theology for me. I always had trouble believing in the God of miracles because I, growing up, I never saw the miracle, you know, and now I can see, I recognize that has deepened, but in a way it helped me because I was, that's okay, God, you are here and you are working through this. And I just have to stay at best. That's the depth that's the depth. So now, I mean, I guess we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but now that you have come to this new place that you are after going through this, Daniel, maybe has it affected your view of God or altered your faith in any way? Or is it more just of a big sigh of relief that you kind of can recognize it now? It was so funny. I always remember growing up with the verse, God will give you the desires of your heart. I feel like that's something that we often like, you know, mm-hmm. that Psalm, that Psalm, God will give you desires of your heart. Mm-hmm. But it was funny because when I was going back to it, it's take delight in the Lord. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he will give We like to forget yes. about the Cut first part of the clause. So I feel like that has deep, like, I feel like that part God has like shown the light on, you yeah. know? And as a tenured professor, there would be no space to take delight in the Lord. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, and that he has to sift our desires also, and that Mm -hmm. he has to be enough. And what he gives us sometimes, he will give us the delight for it to be enough. Mm -hmm. So I think just coming to terms with that, and I will take delight in this. When your delight is in the Lord, he's the desire of your heart. He's the desire, yes. So, of course, he's going to give you himself. You know, when we, (laughs) when our delight is in the Lord, that's, that's what he wants. He wants to pour himself out. Perfectionism is all I, 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 me, 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 I, 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 me, me, me. Like I have to do, I have to carry my faith. Mm-hmm. I ha- like, and I have to be perfect that I don't need your grace. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I'm perfect. I'm perfect. Mm-hmm. I feel like that also had to be just turned on its head. I'm not perfect. We all have sinned and fallen short. We are all mm-hmm. going to fall short and that I need to take myself off the control mm-hmm. and just say, okay, God, what's thy will? because mine is imperfect. Not that he doesn't see us and see our hearts and see our intricate framework, but. This is probably a tricky question, but how do you think it will guide your parenting for your kids? Oh, I mean, yes. I hate the way this sounds, but I worry about Susie, Mm -hmm. about the girl, because I'm sorry, girls have babies and girls have biological clocks and girls. (laughs) And girls typically not always but they typically have a desire to nurture typically they do they do i mean it's just 
It is what it yes. is, peeps. <laughs> but yep. It is. And it's, it's yeah. awful and it's wonderful. And yeah. it's, it's just, it's so hard. And I think just to, because I was thinking about that, like, how do I not mirror societies and the worlds? But still show that you believe in her. Believe that I believe in her. Believe, yeah. like set her she can up. be anything she wants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a yeah. mom is equally as valuable as yes. being a doctor. You know, right. like just how do you. Yeah. But I think in doing that myself, what we're already doing and saying, oh my goodness, you are so gifted and encouraging. Oh my goodness, you are so speaking that into them where they can use their talents for both God and serve the world in those functions. I was just going to say, I think thinking about how your parents is you giving them that equal perspective of, you know, worldly, worldly education and knowledge and educating them in the faith too, at the same time. So you've got those two things going parallel side by side. That's in a lot of ways, what actually enabled you to make choices that you did because you recognize the value of both. And while it made it difficult to an extent, and you had to make those hard choices, you were able to, because you had, you had been educated in more than just academia. You knew God and you had a relationship with him and your parents knew that and modeled it. I mentioned when we were messaging about this, I mentioned the educated book. Yes. And that's, I think what I've been thinking about so much is she went from nothing to everything, but that's the only, that's where she's valuable now because, because she she now has this, right. Mm -hmm. And it just, I, when I got to the end, I'm like, Oh, like I just, she missed so much. And I think thinking about it's, that's what's made me think about with my kids. It's like such how, mixed I emotions mean, of like, you're amazing yes. and I'm heartbroken yes. for you. Like, yeah. Yes, it's just you're like, amazing. Look at what you've achieved. Really, she's incredible. Yeah. And yet I just think about, it doesn't matter. It's still empty. Right. And so I've thought so much about my kids and because there are times that I feel like I'm not, they're not getting the academic education that I would wish they have. And then there are lots of times too, where I'm like, oh my goodness, we need to work harder about passing our faith on to you guys. And I guess maybe I can tend to be a little bit perfectionist in some ways too. When you think about your parenting, just those two lines going at the same time, like the ability to be able to raise your kids to value education and learning and give them faith at the same time or teach them faith and model faith so that hopefully one day it becomes their own faith. And I think too, the focus on what they're good at, you know, like they're yes. just not, yes. not all my kids are academic. I mean, mm-hmm. I have a couple of academic kids, but I don't look at all of them and go, yeah, you need to go. Not that I automatically know the track for any of them, but I feel like, again, I just wonder what I'm going to do for my girls. How is that? What is that going to look like? And for that same reason, because they're not all academics is not going to be the, it, it's, we've made it a God. We've made, well, and it's mm-hmm. terrible. So having been a teacher, it was a diploma mill for many, so many of my students, I would say 90% of my classes, those students did not belong in college, which made it very hard for me. Cause I was like, you should get an F. And they were like, you cannot give them an F. And I'm like, this is F work. Some individuals, why are we trying to fit 
yes. round pegs in square holes. When yes. the world needs welders, the world yes. needs artists, the world needs photographers, the world. Mm -hmm. Yes. Not everyone should be a doctor. They just shouldn't. Yes. Like, and that's fine. <laughs> For the same reason why I did not belong in academia, why are we forcing, there are people that that is their gift and they mm -hmm. should be there. Yeah. I think just helping our kids try it out and figure out what they love and what they're good at and mm -hmm. how, when, when those things coincide, that's lightning in a bottle and how do we push that forward? Yeah. So, and so then good. also just that terrible juxtaposition of, this is just the earth. <laughs> yeah. But, it, but it, yet it's, and it's, I feel like it's also just this wonderful dichotomy of this Holy Week of Jesus being like, you horribly disappointing, awful humans that I love so much. <laughs> and I'm going to die on the cross for you. And I love you, but I hate you. And yeah. I'm angry and I'm <laughs> devastated and I'm disappointed. You know, just this wonderful man god i mean this mm. this week is just every year it gets more dear because it's just like yes god we're so disappointed <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we're living with where are we on the earthly spectrum where are we on the the god yes. like how do we make these things mesh and yeah monica and i talk about that a lot when we do our podcasts and our bible reading just that like the eyes fixed on eternity. It's not about what's happening here. Like it's, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. He's coming for us. Everything makes more sense when you think about it through mm -hmm. that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's no easy answers here. <laughs> but I can't imagine parenting without God. I don't know how in Jess right now with Charlie six and Susie four, and they're both understanding he's lied right now lying is his big thing and it's like oh my goodness i i sinned i did wrong i have a black heart and how do i make it right and then yes. he confesses it and he's like but my my heart still feels black yeah and i'm like but you haven't apologized to the person you you have to actually it's called oh, repentance, we're, i'm doing that with i mean hannah's 15 and that's she's not figured out grace she I mean, she's repented and, but she's just carrying so much guilt and shame and I can't fix it for her. Mm. That's no. what's the crazy parent. That's the right? cra crazy parenting conundrum is it's like, I can talk, yes. I can give you all the answers. Yeah. I can tell you exactly why you don't need to feel shame and guilt, but unless the Holy spirit reveals it to you, like I ha I'm powerless. That's a crazy right. feeling to have as a parent that I can't give her grace. Yes. She has to, she has to receive that from him directly. Yes. Yeah. It's a very helpless feeling, but because I'm doing it with God, you know, because I yeah. know that it's coming because I know that I trust him. Right. That, it, that it will happen. Mm -hmm. It's not, um, it's helpless, but not in any way hopeless. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know his timing will be perfect. And unfortunately, I know that usually comes with brokenness. Right. So Lord, help me so get hard. through that one. So <laughs> There's no pressure here. 
Would you do a book club? Are you still like, would you oh, consider yes. doing that? I, I'm, I'm so excited. I would love this. Right, and when you said like, something, I think you said something about a kid's book club, but I'm still in that whole like, um, oh, uh, uh, like all kinds, but all, yes, kinds? all, all book okay. clubs. I mean, put me in, sign uh, me up. Kind of has left my head. <laughs> yes. It would be fun just to do it for adults. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. So for kids, absolutely. I mean, any, anything. I think you said you absolutely hated teaching that college class, but I was thinking about Hannah's school. Hannah's in that online school that I love yes. so much. Yes. Man, you'd be such a great teacher See, for the great conversation. Thing. As I've had my kids, no, college is not where I belong. I love these. You know, has lines. she told you about her great conversation? You class? would be you know about incredible this class? That. I remember her talking about it when she started it in Gitmo. A literature class. Magical. It's magical. Mm. And she had this phenomenal teacher who just, it's a combination of history. It's like a a credit of history, a credit of literature, and a credit of theology. Which is fantastic because it all blends so perfectly. But as I'm listening to you talk, I'm thinking, oh my word, Sally would be such a gift Mm. to think about Sally Grooms teaching my kid history and literature. Like I can't even, that hurts my brain. Sounds magical. Uh, That would be awesome. That would be so awesome. You would be so good at that. Okay. I have a question I want to ask you. Yeah. All time favorite book. Like a book that you would read over and over again for pure enjoyment. Enjoyment. Jane Eyre. That is a good one. I loved it from the first time I read it in high school. And then I loved writing. I loved it when I studied it. I loved it when I wrote on it, but I never got to put it in any of my theses because I would do, I was, I ended up being an Americanist, but I loved Jane Eyre because, and I love the God of Jane Eyre. Did we ever talk about the house of myrrh? No, I think we, we read no, it. We never, ta- we read it. We never, yeah. See, that was not long enough. That was not long enough. We did one book. We did one book. Yeah, but we did Pride and Prejudice, right? Yes. That's a long one. Yeah, It was a long one. It's funny because I read the whole book, then we talked about it, and then I went back and watched the movie and realized that I must have skipped an entire, like, six chapters. I didn't (laughs) even know it. You're like, this happened? (laughs) (laughs) I did not read that. (laughs) That's so funny. No wonder I was able to finish it. I skipped the middle of the book ridiculous anyway house of myrrh we should talk about that one too yeah although i'd have to read it again i I they go in my brain and out although jane Eyre is one i've read multiple times yes that one just because it has so many it has so many layers i've never read it probably and thought through it the way that you have (laughs) it's just a story sinjin her cousin who proposes to her and because they wants to go on the mission field and die on the mission field. And he doesn't understand why Jane doesn't want to go and die on the mission field. (laughs) She was bred, she was born and she wants to love, you know, that it's so is the, no, this isn't my God. This is not that fact that she can do that was my favorite. So this is so good. You guys, this is so exciting. It is so exciting. (laughs) Thank you, Sally, so much for sharing your story. And I know that I'm, I'm honestly surprised at how encouraged I am to just be talking about this particular issue with somebody who gets it. You, you went even further than I did, but I, sometimes I feel like there aren't a lot of people that I can just say, like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my girl. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do this because it's so, and your, your story is exactly the story that I, that's the kind of story that I think about when I think about trying to navigate, helping her into her calling. 
Yeah. I mean, she has to know Grace first. She can't even right. know her colleague right. until she knows right. Grace. So I don't know when that's going to be. Well, and I think, yeah. and I want, and I want that so much. And I think that is important, especially like, because I'm sorry, the Christian world on a whole has been get them married as fast as possible. We don't want mm-hmm. babies. And it's like, Get them your, married as fast as they can. We don't want so babies. they don't have babies. So they don't have babies before they're married. You know that wait, it wait, was, wait. and it's like, oh my goodness, can we take a breath and can we like nurture and grow strong women? I hope we can do better because my generation, we had just gotten I kiss dating goodbye. Yes. Every man, every Christian man was dating. It was courting to marry. Yes, and it was. Forgot about that book. Travesty. <laughs> <laughs> because when I met Chase, I was like, oh, he's my brother in Christ. He's definitely kissed dating goodbye. And I was like, we cannot. I have not kissed dating goodbye. <laughs> in fact, I've kissed them all. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> so, but, I, but I think this, and even to have like Christian women that are like, okay, how do we raise these strong girls that love Jesus and that marriage is great. Kids are wonderful, but let's have options and let's listen to God like let's wait and get to know him and discover him and then let him guide you in all of that yeah yes yeah because I feel like there was so much parenting out of fear yes thank you friend thank you thank you so excited guys if you enjoyed this story and are interested in joining an online community committed to studying and living out God's word together discovering our God-given gifts and living out our callings. You have found a home at Dive Collective. Visit divecollective.org for a free reading plan and our free dive guide where we share our version of how we do in-depth Bible studies. While you're there, sign up for an upcoming live interactive dive study and join us as we strive to discover how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Come and see.